Welcome everyone to the Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Sunday morning casual on a Friday night. The Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 212, Can't Front on Me, is brought to you by Bushmaster Bath Salt Cocaine Heroin. When you need a made-up super drug that's going to kill everybody in the whole darn room, except no substitute. Wow. Wise words there, Pete. Here we are talking the penultimate episode of Luke Cage Season 2. Got one more to go, then a recap, and then that's it for Luke Cage for a while. No, uh, Currently, no new Marvel Netflix dates announced. We know Daredevil probably in the fall. Uh, we know Iron Fist in production. And uh, we know Jessica Jones in production as well. But, uh, Punisher uh, in production, son. Punisher in production. Pete, lots of stuff in production. When's it going to drop? Nobody knows. Probably 2019 for most of it. But uh, with that, should we dive on into this episode? Let's do it. At Harlem's Paradise, nose candy makes people violent. Bushmaster nose candy. The credits show that the episode is written by Aida Mashaka Kroll and directed by Everardo Gout, a relatively new director to the English language television and someone who delivers hypnotic visuals for the episode. After the credits, a young lady from the club is at Pop's Barbershop telling Luke all about the attack. He's got to solve it. But does Bushmaster brand sniff mean Bushmaster's behind it? Expositional sugar comes on up. Mariah is using Chinese product to drag Bushmaster's name through the mud. Cut to Mariah at a high-end auction, a front for Mariah to meet with the local heads of the Italian, Japanese, and Chinese baddies. Harlem has a ready population and gentrification coming to get dirty money clean through real estate. Next up, a W.E.B. Du Bois book from the private collection of Mariah Dillard herself. She expects her new United Nations League O bad guys to drive up the price and buy it back for her. She leaves with Bushmaster watching from afar. He sneaks to a Chinese drug location, but it's a trap for Bushmaster. Luke Cage is there to save the day and him. In the drug factory, they fight. In a season of cornerstone group fights, this one is good. Fight over, Bushmaster wants to burn Babylon to get rid of poison like this. And he does literally want to burn it. He has a bomb, which Luke muffles, and Bushmaster escapes. Luke heads to Harlem's Paradise. He credits her attempt down to Bushmaster's rep. Luke notes he's been saving her twice now, but won't do it a third time. Rule of three and all that. She, however, is worried he's not using his powers properly. He's a man she can count on. He toasts her and says things change. He'll have more rum when Bushmaster and Mariah are done with each other. Sweet burn. Mariah wants to pack the club tonight, and Luke info shares with DW and Sugar. The concert is to force Bushmaster to attack her and to force Luke to protect Harlem, hence Mariah. He reflects on the weight on his shoulders. At a graveyard, Tilda is making peace with a deceased cottonmouth and reflects on her terrible origin. She knows who she is now. Later, talking with Bushmaster and Sheldon, she info shares about Mariah killing Uncle. Why? She wants Bushmaster to end Mariah. 
She can sneak Bushmaster into the club tonight once she's given him a turbo boost of Super Nightshade that he should take, but just not all at once. At the precinct, Shades is snoozing and Chief Ridley wonders why. Mariah says it's because he's guilty and reminds us, and Ridley, that with the help of Shades, Mariah can go down. Time to get the feds involved. A bit later, the Sheds are offering a proffer. He's got to share everything, and he's ready to do so. Shades recalls beating up Carl Lucas at Seagate and how he got bulletproof. Shades keeps flashing back. Tone attacking Pops. Cottonmouth taking out Tone. Mariah taking out Cottonmouth. Shades taking out Candace. Look, it's a lot of season one reflecting and recap. Shades also recaps Mariah taking out Uncle. In a long, steady cam shot, Misty goes to get him a water. It's a cool shot, but to get water? Shades is then asked to recap Rittenhauer's death. Comanche's mother has been listening and is allowed to come into the room and spit on Shades. Apparently that's a thing. Back to Bushmaster, he's ready to attack, though Sheldon doesn't want to lose him. Shades goes to Harlem's Paradise, and Misty is there too, listening to the bug on him. Shades sweet-talks Mariah, while intercut we see KRS-One drop some sweet rhymes and Luke arrive. Outside, Bushmaster arrives too, pointed towards the secret entrance by Tilda. Mariah and Shades head downstairs to the lair. Hey, Misty didn't know about that. The bulletproof room is where the Basquiat hangs now, and Mariah pulls a gun on Shades. From the bar, Bushmaster emerges and makes his way into the club. In the lair, the bug on Shades is revealed, and they see Bushmaster on the monitors. He's coming, and he and Luke tussle, with Luke going out that iconic round window. Bushmaster beats on the lair's steel door while Luke is too dazed to help. Yet. Bushmaster enters the lair and Shades fires and misses. It's a roundhouse fight with Luke and Misty taking on Bushmaster. It's a fight that decimates the set in a way rarely seen on television, but it ends as it should, with Luke holding Bushmaster in a headlock. But will he snap his neck? Hey man, this isn't the DCEU. Luke relents and Bushmaster runs. He's gone until the next episode, I guess. Shades hands over the thirty-eight revolver to Misty, and Mariah is put in cuffs. She's not worried, though. Shades, who's standing too close to that round window for comfort. Anyway, it's noted about him that he is a low-life gutter rat, whereas Mariah is an upstanding councilwoman and philanthropist. Still, she's taken away in cuffs. But, as Luke notes, it ain't over yet. But the episode is. Pete, never-ending, of course, is... What we got to do on the financial end to keep the podcast propped up. But you'll never guess who helps us out, Pete. That would be the good people of Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Uh, we are in the middle of a record month as far as uh, hits to the website, as far as uh, downloads via iTunes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I won't bore you with the math. But if it weren't for our contributors to patreon.com slash fantastic geek, none of this would be happening. Pete, now we're going to talk about some bad. Mm. Shut your mouth. We're just talking about bad guys. Pete, let's start with one of the members from the bad dudes, United Nations. That's Hong. Yes, his brother Peter having been killed by Diamondback back in season one. And 
we'll talk about this United Nations uh, as a concept that meets at this auction house um, in our big picture segment. But obviously, this a cross section of nefarious individuals. I I like Pete that there's I don't know like if you're gonna show a whole bunch of bad guys, you know what? Let them be multicultural bad guys. We go from Hong to Carbone, similarly up to no good. What with badness in the city of New York and prepared to uh, to move on into Harlem in a way that has not been done before. Yeah, and has a rivalry with Mariah here. Um, calls her a pebble in the shoe. Clearly, there's territorial issues as well as those of who's following and who is in charge. Yeah, even some, uh, how do I put this, Pete, without repeating her 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 filthy sentiment, she kind of takes a view of, uh, of African Americans in general, I dare say she's suggesting about, you know, an inability to work together and things like that. So a little kind of racism thrown in there, good old fashioned racism, aside from, you know, the, uh, the drug running and the gun running and all that, just some, some, some verbal shade thrown. Matt, are you saying that villains are racist? What is this world coming to or are racists villains? Uh, yes, to both. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Izkeda, who is perhaps the quietest in this auction scene, but still glowers in a very dangerous sort of way. He chuckles on the subtitles, and, and that's about all I got for you there. They, they've got to, again, round out that multicultural sentiment of uh, no good people. And we, of course, finish up with Yang, who... Uh, Pete, he's got a goatee, so I know he's from the Mirror Universe. He is not from the Mirror Universe. He, of course, the one that uh, Mariah turned to in the previous episode to to bring the uh, the drugs here, something the Stokes were told repeatedly in this episode, maybe to its detriment, uh, had never dabbled in before, all in an attempt, of course, to frame Bushmaster to to drag his name his his good name through the mud <laughs> right because he's already got a a great reputation um but yeah I love I get more you know oddly when he's not on the screen just by reputation with Yang um the Yangshi uh Gongsi from uh Iron Fist but with um Sugar referring to him as old boy. <laughs> and then we get the throwdown that occurs in the drug lab. Uh, so really, Yang provides many plot points within this episode. Don't do the drugs, kids. Don't do the drugs. If only Mariah had listened to that. Pete, this is an episode where she's driven shades away. She's driven away other people from her crew. I think Sugar kind of symbolizing you know the many who we can assume have left as her as her leadership gets more and more creaky pete that's right pete she starts to be such a crazy leader that people start to uh, people around her start to object to it and actually take action against it and that's what lends uh lands rather mariah in handcuffs at the end of the episode when you garner the moniker 
again via sugar as Satan's niece. Yeah, uh, people gonna come gunning for you, and whether it's Shades, whether it's Bushmaster, uh, this back and forth crisis of conscience that Luke's got himself into. Do I let Bushmaster just openly attack her at the Unity Jam? Do I am I forced to defend her and and defend Harlem? Um, yeah, it's an interesting quandary that they've created here in this uh, second to last episode. Next on the list is Shades. And it's funny, Pete, as I was watching this episode, uh, my wife walked through the room and she was a huge Sons of Anarchy fan. She takes one look at the screen. This is one of the scenes when Shades is confessing. And she goes, I'll never trust Juice. He was a snitch. I'm like, <laughs> you know, he, of course, uh, you know, Juice Ortiz in, uh, in Sons of Anarchy. And I was like, oh, really? Because I, I was a big Sons of Anarchy fan in the beginning, particularly, side note, it's in the beginning, it's a retelling of Hamlet as set in a Northern California motorcycle gang, right. which is a, right. a novel presentation. Um, when they went to Ireland and it was a whole Ireland season or yeah, I think it was Ireland. Uh, that's when they lost me, but I digress Pete much as sons of anarchy did here. She's criticizing juice in sons of anarchy as having been a snitch here in this episode shades is snitching. So I guess it's familiar turf here for, uh, for Theo Rossi. <laughs> but rarely has a snitch done so with such attitude, with such a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he wipes the floor with those cops, with that lawyer who then uh, recuses herself, uh, whose son was in Pops at the time of the massacre back in season one. Yeah, I think he certainly knows that he is he's dealing his cards from from a position of power because as he says, it's not his first rodeo. He knows how a proffer works. Pete, I'm glad they used the word proffer a whole bunch of times in order to explain what a proffer is, as opposed to saying, uh, hey, the district the, the, the US attorney is gonna give you a deal that you have to live by. Instead, they use the word proffer like eighty seven times. Um, but he knows how that works, so he can say what it is he needs to say. Pete, he can slow things down. He can recap, nay, just about anything. I'm glad, Pete, <laughs> that he simply didn't start with page one, episode 101, Luke Cage. Exterior shot, camera cranes down, looking hard. <laughs> like, it was a bit much of the recap. However, I'll take Theo Rossi saying words on TV any day of the week. Uh, and apparently at the end of it, Shades is walking away you know, free asterisk, don't mess up the proffer. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're still, uh, you know, state's witness. So, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep your number. Pete, let's conclude with Bushmaster who I know is still the bad guy. In fact, let's go backwards here. Uh, he gets away again, setting up a climactic final battle again, but along the way, I mean, he he mentions the desire to burn down the metaphorical Babylon, uh, which is to say he wants to burn down the heroin factory. Okay. He's also trying to protect his reputation, which I will admit is not the best reputation in the world. But here's an episode about a guy who wants to make sure people respect his name and he wants to get drugs 
out of the community. And in other episodes, he's been somebody who wants to help improve his country and his countrymen. Bushmaster villain? Yes, he's he's still a villain here. Um, the brutality shown in that final scene at the at the Unity Jam and the links to which he will go to will argue in the next segment for dramatic purposes. But uh, yeah, still firmly a villain here. Uh, another sugar nickname here, Shaba. Um, you know, we're, we're fitting into cliches, but uh, he remains compelling. Pete, I know I'm not down with all the hip things as much as you are. Who is Shaba? Shaba Ranks is a Jamaican dance hall musician, rap, R&B, you know, Mr. Lava Lava, that guy. Well, there you go, Pete, one to grow on. The big picture where we break down theories about the road ahead. Pete, where are we headed in the last episode of Luke Cage? Well, I got to wonder, Matt, where was this United Nations all this time that we're cracking them out here? I, I get it. We have a threat from without in Bushmaster. Not good enough to have a seat on this crime council at the distinguished auction gallery where it's really just a front for Mariah's connections and services but I, I call story foul on them appearing here you want to introduce a council like this let's let's go in the other direction like we did so effectively at the very beginning of marvel netflix tv daredevil episode one we've got them meeting before we even meet the bad guy we meet the council so we're building to these like a big bad they're not they're just tacked on particularly given kind of the wise uh the wise wisdom albeit villainous of yang that we got in the prior episode uh and given the the juice that there is between carbone and mariah i would have liked to see more of that if you then fleshed out some of the other united nations of bad guys here i think it could have been you know it could have been entertaining and it could have been kind of some good story stuff just to show the larger goings on in the evil world in new york that you know of course we only see the hand in lower manhattan sometimes we only see mariah and her and her business going on in uh you know upper manhattan in harlem to get this sense that there's there's this larger new york city board of evil i think would have been just interesting story shading even if it didn't impact the overall season that greatly i mean if you want to tell me that there's uh, going to further be this connection that you go out and get Annabella Siora to play Rosalie Carbone here and that this is going to connect to Punisher season two. That's fine. It becomes a, a nugget for later on. But, you know, without any kind of buildup like, well, hey, here they are. It 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 feels out of place that it does that it does what else is on the big picture pete not so much a theory type of situation but i the luke bushmaster team up at the drug factory 
was just a lot of fun. It was. It was a. It was a really, really solid fight, and I just wonder why. First of all, I'm slightly irritated that we keep going bushmaster luke cage the showdown but then smoke is blown in luke's eyes then another showdown then they're kind of continue to be these outs change it up a little bit if this was an entire episode where luke and bushmaster had to work together that would have been interesting heck heck make the next couple episodes or make a chunk of episodes two or three i don't know where they're reluctantly working together knowing that at the end this partnership is going to have to get broken up once mariah is arrested so we could still reach episode 213 with you know oh no now the partnership is broken up but we could look back and say oh pete remember those two episodes they had an understanding where they both wanted to protect the communities that they're from and they wanted to overcome mariah who really is the true evil and all of that instead we just kind of get this fantastic fight and then you know no Mm -hmm. one can disagree with let's knock out the heroin guys let's not chop them with an axe but let's knock them all out and let's you know really get them good but it kind of feels like in a season that isn't quite netflix bloat but i think in a season that could have been slightly re-plotted for these 13 episodes to make things a bit tighter this is an, an area where things could have been expanded and simultaneously also made things tighter netflix bloat has become such a cliche and i really don't agree with it here's my version of it individual episodes have some bloat the overall story does not this is an episode that could be 10 to 15 minutes shorter leaner meaner There are things that we want to languish on. I mean, the brutality of the final fight at Harlem's Paradise in this episode. Could you have cut it down? Yeah. Personally, I would not have because of the emphasis. But, you know, when Misty takes a walk around the precinct, tearful, uh, and then returns to interrogation, that's probably a minute, two minutes. We don't necessarily need there's an artistry to it but and certainly there are some longer moments in this episode like krs one's time on stage hey i will admit i I have not heard of krs one before i'm a very boring person listen you didn't know shaba ranks and now you don't know krs (sighs) one matt but but listen i thoroughly enjoyed it and i'm not the world's biggest rap fan but to hear him talk whether it's fictional or not, whether it's the fictional KRS in the MCU or the real guy, whatever, I don't care to hear this story on stage performed about, you know, drugs and guns in the community and his brother gets shot. And I mean, it was completely, a completely hypnotic moment. And I was completely in there and fine. That was 90 seconds or two minutes. Very well spent. Yes. The steady cam to go get water. I don't understand the rationale behind that. She's, overcome emotionally by how difficult things are hey i am totally sympathetic the job that the cops have to deal with a heavy emotional toll i don't know that shades sharing most of this stuff however was that shocking like it wasn't like surprise i you know i've been behind it all along like these are all things that shades and mariah were suspected of i mean maybe it was over the written hour thing which i get but still it was like an 90 seconds 60 to 90 seconds of go get a bottle of water and come back and give it to him matt help me understand the tilda cornell grave 
scene and connection. This is somebody she's not talked a lot about here. She's speaking at his grave that she's discovered who she is now. Uh, what is up with that scene? Uh, a note came from a boss, whether it was Chihodari Coker, whether it was uh, Jeff Loeb or Ali Gloss from Netflix or somebody in a position of higher uppitude uh, compared to episode writer Aida Mashaka Kroll said, wait a minute, why is Tilda just showing up at uh, Sheldon's apartment ready to, to, to push her mother over the edge? I don't understand. We need to have a scene where it's made clear to the audience in this episode why Tilda might be angry at her mom. Hence, you get the one actress out to a you know, a real graveyard and have her deliver a monologue where she summarizes uh, her her connection and lack thereof with Cottonmouth, where she reflects on her terrible origin, a product of incest and rape, where she reflects on accepting kind of the, you know, she knows who she is now. I suppose that's her accepting the duplicitous nature of Stokes, although she's being duplicitous for the powers of good, or she's going to encourage Bushmaster to do bad in order to do good, which is, I think, very much a Stokes thing. I think that's the purpose of that scene, to just make it clear, oh, this is why she's doing it, which, I don't know, uh, I think we've seen enough of Mommy being bad to turn Tilda away in previous episodes, but hey, whatever. Well, Matt, I want to talk. We've talked whatever Bushmaster drug was labeled with his name, but let's talk tilda and super nightshade didn't you know that all this time she was secretly developing super nightshade jade jade um don't take it all in one one sitting wait can you just repeat that pete because i think it might come back next episode can, can you take it all in one sitting you cannot take it all at once so with me knowing nothing about episode 213 and I will admit the uh, you know it's not like the episode showed close up of him carefully going. There's twenty milliliters. Oh, it's only ten in me neck. There's ten left. Can I assume next episode uh, he's gonna take? He's, he's gonna be down and out, Pete. He's gonna have the shakes. Maybe he'll have like a, a blanket over him or standing over one of those oil can fire things. Uh, and that's when he's gonna take out the needle, revealing that there's half left, and then take it, and we'll get. Finally, the big final, one more last, the final Luke Cage showdown with Bushmaster. Uh, we'll <laughs> have to see. The staging of this final fight. Um, again, love the brutality, love the audacity into the belly of the beast that Bushmaster goes, takes the super nightshade, and then confronts pretty much everybody. But... Could it be more apparent? Oh, he's going for Mariah. No, D now Misty is going to hit him with the robot glove hand. And wait, oh, no, Shades is going to do something to prevent him from choking her to death. I mean, he even had her at one point and it was over and we kept her alive. We caught him monologuing, you sly devil. If he wanted to pop her head, simply pop her head. 
Um, yeah. I, yeah, I would say that particular moment that was hand to the writer. Let's save it for the, the last. Let's save a conclusion, the conclusion for the last episode. Otherwise, I have to say I really enjoyed the fight. Um, I love the fact that uh, uh, what did they call it? The it wasn't the hideout. What was the word they used for the the lair? The, the lair. <laughs> I, I love that the What's lair. The lair? <laughs> Everything in the lair is uh, coincidentally made of balsa wood. And yeah. you know, j- well, joking aside, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the the door gag was good as he starts to as he starts to to dent it. Then when the whole thing falls, you really see how thick the door is. Um, I mean, breakaway furniture. There was a lot of it. The there were these vertical wooden accents to kind of form a uh, like half wall, half screen kind of thing, and that was just tailor made for send somebody through it. So it's like. Clunkety 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 clunk. Um, I like that they had the audacity to build a set whose purpose ultimately was to be completely destroyed in an epic fight involving Luke Cage, Bushmaster, Misty Knight, Shades, and Mariah. What about this as a setup to getting the gun and the handoff in pretty much broad daylight? He's holding it. Mariah, after a beatdown, needs alcohol, and that is the setup for um, Shades to hand it to Misty. Um, uh, look, I, M- Mariah needs to give the pound of flesh story-wise. We cannot end this season with, and Mariah Stokes Dillard shall continue to do evil in season three. Alfred Woodard is wonderful. Mariah is a fantastic character. We need to move on from this in future seasons. It's as simple as that. Um, and if the story is sympathetic to Shades as we are, and I mean, what more sympathy than, hey, you get a, j- get, get a jail-free card. Tell us about bad things. It appears Shades will survive. So I'm okay doing things that you need to to get to that end, particularly, at least what I've learned from TV is when you send a guy in with a wire, it's like, he can do some bad things. It's not that you've asked him to do the bad things, but he can do bad things. And if he ends up getting the gun off a person to then hand over to Misty, okay, that works for me. Will we get a trial for Mariah? Pete, I think not only are we going to get a trial, I'm hoping that we get that we get maybe somebody from the Hogarth firm or from the Chow and Benowitz firm, <laughs> whether it's Foggy or somebody else. Uh, I hope that in this upcoming last episode i hope that we get somebody saying oh i wish matt murdoch was here but of course he's dead um i hope we get a matt murdoch uh more of him awakening with the nuns in some sort of secret scene p.s why did we stop doing secret scenes at the end of seasons isn't that how luke cage season one was first introduced um I hope we get it all. We get the trial. We get the big fight with Bushmaster. I hope we get it all in a glorious hundred and or one hour, two minute episode. I want to have gavel banging. I want to have somebody reach out to us and say, did you guys notice that they got the same actor to play the judge as they did in Matt Murdock's first scene back in Daredevil episode, you know, 103 or whatever. Pete, I want it all. Word on the street where we hear from you, the listener. Pete, what do you have? Matt, I want to take a minute and thank whomever 
left a spate of one star ratings, didn't even have the ability to make words to leave reviews. But ever since that happened, we put out the call to our fabulous, fantastic listeners and fans of Fantastic Geek, and they have responded tremendously. We have two more iTunes reviews here. I know this isn't a corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe TV side where we have Hydra, but that's all I can think of. You know, leave a one-star review and 15 five-star reviews shall take its place. But Coach Pritt writes in here, best of the MCU podcasts, five stars. Matt and Pete do a great job breaking down the Marvel shows. I discovered these guys looking for some stuff on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Once I broke down and got Netflix, I quickly consumed all of the Marvel shows. Since my family doesn't watch, it's great to have a virtual conversation with these guys via the podcast and socials. I love the new format on the Luke Cage podcast with the episode recap and then Matt and Pete's breakdown. They're the best out there. Hey, Coach, you know what? When you pop those headphones in, you're part of the Fantastic Geek family. So welcome to the table and thank you for those kind words. Absolutely. The next by longtime listener, Frosty Yo, uh, 18, that Robert T. Frost uh, headlined here. This will be your go-to podcast, five stars. And it reads, Matt and Pete have perfected the MCU formula for podcasting. The show gets a brief but fairly detailed recap for each episode and then it analyzed, theorized, discussing the good and the not so good, all with some fanboy enthusiasm, a critical eye, and some insider info that brings an interesting perspective. A great companion show to the MCU. Pete, Robert T. Frost's words warming my heart, warming our heart. See what I did there, Frost and warm. And indeed, Pete, just to piggyback on what you said to start this segment involving uh, the uh, the person who had the haterade and the one-star reviews, just a reminder, Pete, that it looks like uh, it might take a little time sometimes, but love does trump hate. And uh, we're, we're so happy to see that with our little uh, little podcast venture here, our family of podcasts. Pete, as we have one episode of Luke Cage left, then wrapping up the season, how can people reflect on the season with you? Let's start with the Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. I need similar help uh, like the iTunes reviews. The Twitter purge dropped 107 of my followers through Twitter. So I either had some Russian bots on there or uh, some uh, whatever. Yeah, so uh, get on there today. Uh, 9,908 followers can't be wrong. Got to get back over 10,000. Pete, got to get those followers up, all with the non-Russian bots, all with the authentic interactions, the people who love Pete on Twitter, love Fantastic Geek as well. If you want to catch me on Twitter, I am Looking Back Lost, but be in touch with the podcast. Leave a comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Gmail, Instagram, and Twitter, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH with the one word like it today. 
on Thursday, Pete, we will be back talking episode 213. And uh, next Sunday will be the Luke Cage Season 2 retrospective finale, etc. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Bounce. Don't let that door hit you. Thank you.